Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Finally, I have another YouTube video up. I'm glad to see you again. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening wherever you're consuming this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up and don't forget to subscribe. I was super excited to record this episode with Mike because Mike is the antithesis to the episode that I released a few weeks ago, which was about the pros and cons of video screening. His company work does the exact opposite of what video screening does. And he brings, and his company focuses on bringing the human-to-human interaction back to the hiring process without bogging down hiring managers and companies, essentially. So we're going to get into it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Connect with me on Instagram at HRTracy, and enjoy the interview. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. I am joined by Mike Seidel, and I'm so excited to have Mike on. We connected I, I probably over a month ago at this point, and Mike, I've already introduced you as the antithesis to video screening, and that you are literally bringing the human back to hiring and companies. So I would love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and for you to officially be welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Tracy. I, I'm really excited about this. I know when we had our little pre-conversation, um, I, I really enjoyed that. So I'm really looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. I'm Mike Seidel. I'm the co-founder and CTO at a company um, that actually was called Work Here, and we just renamed it to Pivot CX. And um, the reason we did that rename is we made a huge change from being uh, all about kind of job search by location to helping employers engage conversationally. And the whole idea was to pivot and change your candidate experience. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to talking a lot about uh, the changes that 2020 and, and 2021 are bringing to how we have to engage with candidates and how we have to engage with talent. That's amazing. Well, congrats on the rebrand. I We love a rebrand in this community. Mm-hmm. I just, I rebrand my website every every so often. I actually just went through a rebrand myself. No title changes, but wanted something a little bit different. So I know it takes a lot of work to do that. So congrats. Very exciting. Thank you. Um, I'd love to. Yeah, of course. I'd love to just kind of jump right into our discussion. And I think I had mentioned this to you previously, but I had released a podcast episode a few weeks ago, um, basically talking about the pros and cons of video screening. And that, like I said, your company is the antithesis to video screening. So I'd love to know what sparked your interest and desire um, to found your company. and, And where did that all begin? Okay, so it all began uh, all by about six years ago. I was working for an organization called Direct Employers. They are one of these companies most people have never heard of, but they're really, really important in the whole job board universe. They are the backfill for most of the major job boards. They collect uh, close to 20 million uh, or close to 8 million jobs from about 20,000 different employers every day and redistribute those to job boards that you know. And... um, they're kind of the de facto uh, free content for all the job boards. I was the uh, director of development there, and when I left, I left with uh, 
the CTO of Direct Employers to start this company that we're, where we're going to go focus on building uh, job search by location. So it was 2015, mobile apps were really hot. And so what do we do? We go build a mobile app. And the whole idea was kind of Yelp for jobs. We'll show you all the jobs on the map. And it was, it was uh, you know, I wouldn't say it was a home run, but, you know, it was a solid single. We, we got... Uh, got things going, got ourselves up to about 60,000 users in our first year and thought we really had something, but we really weren't able to get that business to grow. And when COVID hit, it uh, wiped out most of that business, but there was this little bitty piece that we were doing where we were focused on doing chat for employers, where we were engaging with candidates via SMS and that part of our business, every one of the customers basically told us, whatever you do, don't go out of business, just keep doing this and good things will happen. So we took all of last year um, and revamped our business, built all new software, um, launched that product in December, and it took us all of six months to uh, go from about $5,000 a month in recurring revenue um, to where we're approaching a million dollars a year in, in yeah. revenue. Um, and uh, things keep going the way they are, uh, we're, we're going to have a really good story this year. So I'm, I'm really, really, uh, if there is a, a silver lining in COVID, it was that we got a chance to reinvent our business because we were kind of one of those zombie startups where it's not good enough to be really successful um, and it's too good to kill. Yeah. Well, you know, if there's anything that that tells me, it's that there are a lot of other people out there who are, really interested in not replacing the human element of hiring and recruiting, right? I think that's a big piece of this. The other thing that's going on is I think a lot of employers are struggling with how do we scale our people up to be able to talk to enough applicants? Um, you put an ad out on Indeed, for example, even if it's for you know a forklift driver, you're going to get um, 90, 100 candidates that apply. And the, the challenge a lot of employers have is that we've been operating in screening mode for so long that we've all lost kind of the muscle on how do we engage with everybody because we all sit there and screen and screen and screen and screen and two weeks later we start mm -hmm. uh, reaching out and engaging and one of the things that we really uh, are bringing to the table for our customers is the ability to talk to every candidate right when they apply every time and do that within minutes. Totally. Well, gosh, I think about my own experience as a candidate in the past, and there's nothing quite like getting an immediate response. <laughs> there's something really special about that. It, it Not only does it make you feel seen and heard, but also you kind of feel a little validated. So I think I get that. speed is just so underrated. And even, yeah. even if you're talking about um, calling someplace about a customer service problem, almost every time the speed, the less time you spend on hold, the speed that people pay attention to you is really the thing yes. we use to judge the quality of that interaction by. And that applies to jobs just as well. The faster you engage with a candidate or faster you apply, uh, let an applicant know you've got their application and you'd like to talk to them, um, it, it really changes the whole nature of the rest of the interaction with that candidate. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it makes a lot of sense to me. And actually, this leads me to my next question, which really touches on this people centrism and the digital age. So I just would love to gain some perspective from you specifically on the topic of people centrism in this digital age or digital era. Your company obviously focuses again on this human to human interaction. 
How have you all remained competitive with the push for digitizing and efficiency without compromising the human element of your business? Well, that is that is the question. Um, when we started doing this, um, we started doing chat. It was about 18, uh, let's see, it would have been 2019, beginning of the year. Um, we started off by building a chatbot. We went out and spent a half million dollars building an AI-powered chatbot, and we learned very, very quickly that that wasn't the answer because the chatbot was tone deaf. So it would have somebody apply for a job. My mom's got cancer. I really need a job. Can you help me? It would respond with, all right, woohoo, let's go. And then what is your name? And then whatever you did next, it was going to ask you what your name was. And we realized that that experience really wasn't the right one, especially if we're talking about candidates. They're scarce. You're paying a lot of money to get people to apply to your jobs on all these job boards. And then we're going to throw a chat bot at them and, and uh, process these candidates like they're a piece of chicken or something. And right. um, what goes on a lot, I think, is that we overprocess the candidate. And then uh, as a result of that, we end up with this experience that the candidate gets that's like, I applied for a job. And then three weeks later, I get an email that says, thank you for applying. We're not going to continue the process with you for reasons. Thank you. Have a nice life. Talk to you later. <laughs> right. And, Good uh, luck. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a horrible experience um, mm. a, across the board. And what we're what we're what we learned uh, with our chatbot was that human beings do it better. In fact, uh, the chatbot got fired because we put the chatbot up against our interns one day. We just go, who can get more candidates to go from Ooh. an apply to high to an interview? So, you know, think very top of the recruiting funnel. They just applied for a job. We're going to have a quick chat with them, verify their credentials, maybe do a little selling and screening on the opportunity, and then see what uh, we have at the end of that. And our interns were able to get three times more candidates scheduled into interviews than the chatbot was. That's pretty amazing. And what's been wonderful, so back to your question about how, how does it scale, well, right now, uh, candidates cost more than they've ever cost to get. Uh, if you're buying applies Certainly. on a job board, you're paying two times, three times what you were uh, a year ago. And so what's ended up happening is, um, you know, maybe hooking the uh, apply flow to a much more efficient funnel is a really good move because now you're able to get, you know, three times the interviews out of the same pool of applicants that you had before. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it works out uh, quite nicely, and, and given where the job market is going, and I think this is something that we all uh, forget about, but uh, before COVID hit, we were already in the tightest job market in history. Then we got a little yes. break from, for it for, I don't know, a year, year and a half. Now we're right back to everything is tight. But I think what we don't talk about enough is that the story is not that everything gets better in six months. The story is actually... Um, you know, the U.S. population growth rate is slowing, and we're looking at we're just 10 years out from when the inversion happens, when we go to a negative growth rate, which mm. means we better all get used to competing for talent and um, we better get used to less applicants. Well, that's a very interesting perspective that I did not consider. It's actually, you know, it makes me think about a whole host of things. The first, is, which is that, I mean, yes, the the job market feels incredibly competitive right now. I I just was on another, uh, you know, a friend's um, 
hosted Instagram uh, recording. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's like a podcast, but on Instagram. And we were talking about how competitive the um, environment is right now. But I didn't necessarily put the the future of growth and and where we stand as especially in the United States in terms of our population. We have seen a slowing slowing down of our population growth. And that's interesting because at this point, people, depending on which generation they're in, are potentially starting to retire and phase out. And we're seeing then this push and pull for entry level and super experience, and there's competitiveness at every level. But I can only you know, this this is something that requires a lot more thought because I I don't think I ever considered that. It's really, uh, if you look at, at, at you know, we all joke about what keeps the CEO up at night, you know, what what's out there that's mm -hmm. uh, scaring CEOs. Um, talent, <laughs> talent is a really big yeah. deal right now. And the reason it's a, a big deal is, okay, yeah, we've got a short-term crunch. We're all trying to figure out how to get people back to work. Mm -hmm. We've had this crazy migration event with COVID where people are changing jobs yes. that ordinarily would never even be thinking about changing jobs. Um, mm -hmm. but right around the corner from that, and this is really where the CEO, the CEOs and the C-level people really should be thinking is yeah. this big meta thing that's going on where we are losing, uh, you know, we are seeing population growth slow down. We are seeing the likelihood of there, there being like a sudden growth of talent in the marketplace. That's, that's not real likely. And that ties into everything about a business from how much you're paying your employees, um, to what kind of benefits you offer, um, all those things we traditionally associate with being a competitive employer or a great place to work, those are really important. But the one yeah. we all forget is um, how we engage with people that apply for a job is gonna become a difference maker over the next few years because those that have yeah. a great candidate experience are gonna be able to hire the great talent. Um, those that have a yeah. bad, bad experience, they're gonna get what's left. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and this is all starting to make me think about the the pressure that there will be to focus on development of the talent that you do have. Because I don't know if you're um, if you're subscribed to the newsletter Human Times, but I recently had a sponsored podcast episode by them, and so I've been really following all of their you know releases every day. They they send out a different. Um, set of global news that's relevant to people like you and me that are in this market of like people and HR and things like that. And uh, I, I think it was probably April or May that one of the newsletters included an article about how 2021 graduates are like desperately looking for jobs and all of the jobs that are kind of really out there and accessible are these like more experienced roles and potentially not all of those entry-level roles. We also know, I mean, as a retailer, uh, there are fewer people interested in working in retail companies, the retail industry than ever before. And so there's this whole, you, you just like you said, there's this whole migration, I love that word, this migration of where our talent is going, what they're interested in. And I can only think that those 2021 graduates who are now either fighting for an opportunity or they're, you know, they've secured roles that if there aren't those next steps outside of their company, because these companies potentially take this opportunity to really focus on retention, because that's also a big part of the competitiveness is that 
it's very hard to retain people right now. I can only imagine what 10 years will look like from a training, learning and development standpoint. It should be very interesting. Retention is a tough problem. And, and it's always, you know, so uh, this is so easy to say and so hard to do, right? So (laughs) I want to uh, cut down on turnover. The easiest way to cut down on turnover is to cut down on people leaving. Wow, that was easy to say. Doing that is really hard because it requires an yeah. effort from everybody in the organization, top to bottom. It doesn't matter if we're talking about, um, you know, your your lowest level employee, how they treat each other on the job makes a huge difference. How the managers treat people, um, bad managers are are a blight um, and and really mm-hmm. do hurt your company. Um, no matter how good their numbers are, if people are quitting, you got to look at that. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, um, retention gets you as far as it's going to get you. There's still a lot of people that have life circumstances that change, and they're going to have to move. And um, that makes a big difference. And you nailed it. Um, Opportunity is a big part of that. There are people that are ready to get promoted, and you're not ready to promote them, and they will go somewhere else to get their promotion. It happens. Absolutely. And actually, we we know that millennials, which... Although I was born in the '90s, it's hard for me to acknowledge that I'm a millennial because I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a millennial but not a millennial. Anyway, I digress. Millennials are known for jumping jobs and for really wanting that rotation. So I always think about Johnson and Johnson and Target. And I mean, I once worked at Target. I used to think of jobs as like you go into your job and you're there for 25, 35, 45 years, and that is your life, and you retire, and that's it. And That's not, I mean, my generation certainly is not like that. Um, For me to be at my company for four years is potentially like being ancient history to another millennial who is, you know, more, uh, I I guess, more likely the statistic where they're jumping from job to job within one to two years. And so I think for companies who have these like very specific retention goals of like, okay, we want to retain our people for X number of months or X number of years, there's potentially a need to really look at that more realistically, but at the same time, from a business sustainability perspective, having people leave every two years is not, that's not also a winning model. Like we can't survive that way. Businesses can't. Way too much institutional knowledge goes out the, goes out the door when you do that. And it's really, really hard. And with the way the employment market is right now, a lot of companies that thought they were engineered for a two year, um, turnover are actually finding their people are leaving in eight, nine months. And um, yeah. it's kind of sad to see that. But the, the reality is that we, we all need to do a better job of taking care of our employees. And that, that covers yes. everything from compensation to on the job, you know, policy, just company policy kinds of things. Uh, all of yeah. it matters a lot. And really, you know, if you want to start fixing a turnover problem, the best place to start is to start on retention. And then after that, yeah. um, once you've got your retention uh, house in order, you're in a much better place to go work on the other side of this, which is how do you recruit? How do you engage? How do you find the best talent? Totally. It's so true. And this is also a really good segue to my next question, but I just want to preface by saying, you know, I think that this retention versus turnover conversation is really important. When we focus on retention, you know, then turnover isn't necessarily the focus. It's actually how we retain to prevent that, turnover. For example, if you're focusing on turnover, you're not necessarily solving the problem. You're just focusing on the end result rather than what it takes to prevent that result. Um, And on top of that, 
I think that, you know, we are, and I said this a lot on my podcast, that this is an employee-dominated market right now. The employees say and employees get. Like, I mean, it's just at this point, because of the competition, employees can pretty much demand, you know, they can make demands that other companies are potentially offering them. And so companies have an obligation to really think about, well, where is this coming from? Why are my employees expecting more flexible work? Why are my employees expecting different levels of pay standard, for example? So anyway, thinking about all of these challenges that companies are having, or having, I should say, what are some of the biggest hiring challenges that companies are facing today? And what do you predict will be the biggest challenges in the future, other than the, the competitiveness that we kind of talked about already. Yeah, the competitive part is the easy to understand. You're just going to have to meet yeah. the market. And, and uh, that's not up to you. It's up to the market. It's going to tell you what you need to be paying, what you need to be offering to be competitive. But things you can do something about um, really start with how you engage with a candidate from the very beginning of their employment journey with you. Uh, we mm -hmm. see a lot of companies that are kind of stuck in a mode from five, six years ago where they've forcing all the candidates to apply on their applicant tracking system. And then they're batching in this pile of candidates up to where maybe they have 30, 40 people. They're going through the pile with a hiring manager and picking the ones they want to go engage with. And uh, three, four weeks later, they start calling the candidates. And uh, surprise, surprise, nobody's answering the phone. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason for that is twofold. One is, um, if you haven't looked, people don't answer their phone very much anymore. Um, <laughs> there's that problem. Um, we, we humbly submit that the right way to engage with candidates probably is to start with a text message because 93% of those will be read within three minutes, whereas a uh, phone call, your likelihood of getting someone to answer is about 1 in 20. Right. Um, yeah. That's another story altogether. Um, so assuming we're reaching out to people in a way that they're going to respond back to you, it really comes down to timing. Is the right time to make that outreach after you've done all of the work screening and stack ranking resumes and all that, or is the right time to reach out, like say, uh, right when somebody applies for the job, when they um, a remember right. that they remember they applied for the job, and then b uh, maybe they haven't been hired by your competition yet. Yeah. So that's fair. We think we think that both of those things are really a good idea, and um, what we're, we're helping our customers really learn how to do is adopt the practices you need to as a recruiter to be able to go really fast and keep up with the you know 90 people that are going to apply today on your indeed job post um and and then how do we give every one of those people a really good experience where if they want to talk to a, a human or they have questions that need answered they can get those answered where it's not just another variation on fill in this 48-question uh, application, and we will get back to you in the future. We want to make it more of a, right. hey, you applied for this job. We're really interested in you. Uh, we have a few quite things we need to confirm before we move on, and then really focus yeah. on what's important so that we can move people through the rest of that recruiting experience. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a really interesting point that you make around the uh the way that the interviewee goes kind of goes back out into the world almost like thinking about uh like brand awareness and the way in which interviews impact business sustainability as well i i mean something that we say internally all the time is that if you are not prompt punctual considerate compassionate an ambassador of our values and all those things when you're interviewing someone that person who 
might not be the right fit for the role is going to go back out into the world and not say very nice things about our company and then also not be a future customer. And so I think about your response as far as like how interviewees are treated or candidates are treated. And yeah, companies might get those 90 to 120 applications a day, but thinking about how we're responding to those people. And I say this all the time, when someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn, I want to make sure that I respond back because that's my personal brand. If I don't respond back, you know, assuming that it's not a marketing LinkedIn, because those I probably will not respond to because I know that they're in most cases auto-generated and sometimes very misplaced considering, you know, who I am and what I represent and some of the marketing that I get. Um, but when it's a human being, that human being is applying to your job, they're reaching out to you. And when you don't reply or you don't reply in a way that's, you know, really setting the stage for the appreciation, I guess, of their time, I mean, that could impact your business down the road. I, I vividly remember a company that I interviewed with years ago that I had a really bad experience with because they took me through eight interviews and then they closed the job. I'm like, you didn't know that seven interviews ago. So you wasted eight hours of my time. Like my time is very valuable as is yours. And so, you know, that actually led me to stop consuming their product. So I can only imagine, you know, for companies out there that are getting all of those applicants, um, what that impact is like for them. How you treat your job applicants is just a direct reflection on how you treat everyone that your company touches, customers, yeah. investors. Um, if you think about it, these people that are applying for the jobs are gonna be the people that you count on to carry forward all those company values mm -hmm. and all of those things that we all um, like to spend lots of time and have meetings about like uh, mission statements and and company right. you know company core principles all that stuff well if if yeah. you're not engaged if you're not treating people well at the very beginning of that i think a lot of candidates look at that and go this is this is a signal your your mm -hmm. actions are speaking so loudly i can't hear what you're saying yeah uh, it, it's absolutely it's amazing and, and that we, we do this. So, so if you go look at a lot of companies, um, we've all invested a lot in automation to make recruiting more efficient. And kind of back to what you're talking about with front-loading video interviewing at the beginning of uh, a recruiting process. Um, I see a lot of companies that try to do things where we're going to try to automatically process or weed out candidates quicker and faster at the beginning of the process. The problem is you don't even know which ones of those candidates are the ones that need to be we weeded out until you actually have a conversation with them. And, and here's why. Um, we found that about 13.5% of the resumes we get from job boards are just flat out wrong. They don't contain the most up-to-date information. And so let's say we're hiring truck drivers and we have to have a current uh, CDL, a driver's license. Um, a lot of the candidates that we get say that their license already expired. The humans know that that person would never have applied for the job if they didn't have an up-to-date license. And so they're going to go check and see, hey, do you have one? Um, but your AI is just gonna look at it and go, oh, no CDL, no more. We're gonna cut this off and be efficient. And I think we, we all need to look at this and go, candidates are important, they're precious, we don't get enough of them. We wanna hire the good right. ones and the good ones are gonna be the most sensitive to how well they're treated. The people you really want to hire are the ones that demand that you treat them well. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. I love it.
And just to, to kind of wrap up here, because I think that you've given so many uh, tidbits and nuggets of information here. I know that you probably have some more for us, but I want to be mindful of your time. Um, what are some quick and easy tips that hiring managers companies should consider in order to hire top talent more quickly with more of that human interaction and without losing the efficiency and the quality of candidates that that efficiency brings? First, first thing I would recommend is engage now and screen later. So let people apply for the job. Don't force them to go through your 48 question application. Go ahead and let them do the quick indeed apply, you know, click the button and apply, apply with LinkedIn. Do it, let them do it the fast way. It's okay. You can always go back and ask the other 42 questions later on. It's okay. Um, but if you start that conversation right up front and really engage right away you're sending this signal that many of your competitors will never match which is um you're so important i'm okay with dropping what i'm doing and i will talk to you now um right. that is like a, the the most one of the most powerful statements you can make to a, a candidate and what's really funny is that works from at every level from the next great forklift driver all the way up to the vice president of sales. They're all going to judge you, judge you based on how you treat them. And if you treat them well and treat them uh, like a human being earlier, you are setting a standard that your competitors will likely never be able to touch. I love that. Well, certainly this was a great topic to talk about considering my podcast is all about bringing the human back to human resources and your focus, your company's focus is to keep the human at the center and the beginning of the hiring process rather than replacing them or, you know, reinventing them. And I, I think that's great. I think that you're the, the, idea behind the company the re I, I could totally see why you've generated the revenue that you have um and i i think it's something that when i think about the the last episode about video screening that i recorded with those pros and cons i can certainly see that there are more pros to keeping the human at the beginning and that human interaction in the beginning and to your point you know engaging now and screening later because actually if there's anything that's true today, it's that because of the competition, there are fewer applicants overall. And because of COVID, there are fewer applicants overall. So every single person that reaches out, they are taking their time to say, hey, I'm interested in you and your company. And we have to, we kind of have to take that and run with it instead of just cutting them out of the running to begin with, because the chances of them even applying again for another role are so slim at that point, if you haven't even had the opportunity to engage them. So. I really, I've learned a lot from our discussion. I hope that the listeners um, have as well once this episode is released, um, but I really appreciate your time. I'd love for you to take a second, I guess, to share where everyone can find you, where they can learn more about your company and so on and so forth. Sure. The, the easy way to learn about our company is just hit our website. That's pivotcx.io. Um, and you know, I, I would encourage you, you know, if you have questions about what we do, how we do it, you're always welcome to ask. Um, I'm Mike at, at uh, pivotcx.io. So if you want to send me an email, I'll answer. I really do, uh, you know, really do enjoy talking to people and learning about the kind of challenges they're seeing in, in their recruiting. Um, can't help everybody, but we've uh, done a pretty good job with, with our, our customers. And, uh, you know, it's been really exciting. We're just watching things uh, grow like crazy this year. <laughs> 
Yeah, such an exciting time. And I'm, I'm glad that you could join us on this podcast today. And who knows, maybe in a year from now, you'll come back on and you'll say, I've tripled the numbers that I shared the last time. And here's why. I mean, that would be amazing. Well, I'll tell you what, the thing that we're up against now is we have to deliver a really, really high level of customer service to our current customers. So the hardest thing for us is like, how do we balance growing and just making yeah. sure that we have the manpower available so when our customers call, yeah. uh, we're able to do a great job taking care of them. It's, it, it's uh, fun. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's quite the challenge, but also probably a very exciting one because that means that there's a lot of demand for the services that you're providing, which is, which is great because actually that's, I hope that that will continue to be true, that businesses want to continue to have that human-to-human -human interaction and really thoughtful engagement with candidates and future talent. So that makes me really hopeful. Well, thank you, Tracy. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much. I'll include all of your information in the show notes, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Sure.